Fans, before we begin today, we'd encourage you to go to our Twitter page at 816Basketball on Twitter and check out the tweet that we have pinned there. It is in honor of Takuma Letsum, a former Ridgeview basketball assistant that is fighting ALS. We would certainly appreciate your support there. There's a GoFundMe link. Once you click on that tweet, please give to this family as he is fighting ALS. Check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. Steve Collins has incredible, incredible content that you really don't want to miss if you're a basketball coach and wanting to grow. Teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. And if you haven't listened to the Competitive Mindset podcast with Billy Kegler, a former guest on the Greatest Games podcast, you're missing out. Listen to that show where guests share how they differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. It's the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Follow along on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Roosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a JV coach, a college coach, a pro coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. Or it could be a coach that just poses an amazing question in the pre-show chatter <laughs> where we just have to say, you know what? Stop right there. Let's hit record. We need people to hear this. And that is exactly what happened. We, Blas, I know we've talked about it. We're going to have to start recording immediately when these coaches show up because this gentleman just posed a great question, but he is the head coach at Brooklyn Casey High School in Casey, South Carolina. Robert Wells, welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Hey, welcome, Brian and Chris. I appreciate y'all having me here. Um, it's always great to talk basketball, um, whether that's, you know, uh, me learning or just taking ideas and taking advice from other coaches. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Very excited. Hopefully we get to talk some good basketball, uh, maybe give some advice or ideas for others to uh, hear. Well, normally we have coaches take us through their resume. You coached at AC Florida, and now you've been at Brooklyn Casey nine years. Boom. We got that out of the way. <laughs> we want to get to this question that you brought up. We were just kind of – we do a little pre-show chatter. The coaches that have been on the show know that. People that listen have probably heard us mention it. And, Coach, you brought up a great question. You said after you lost in the playoffs a few weeks ago, you said uh, you're trying to figure out what's more important, talent or toughness. And what made you think of that? Um, well, you know, like I mentioned earlier uh, in the pregame, uh, pre-show, that, you know, once you lose as a coach in the playoff, uh, I think most coaches go into a, go into a corner with, by themselves and start figuring out what some good things, some bad things that you can maybe change or things you can start, you know, uh, direct your program in to be really good. So one of the things I've done in the past, uh, once I lose in the playoffs or what what happens with the season, I try to spend time going to watch other teams play or go to practices. And one of the things I've, I've watched this year in our playoffs in South Carolina is that uh, what's more important, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, is the talented kid that trains uh, with a personal trainer three to four times a week or if the tough, the tough kid, and maybe he doesn't go to a trainer, but he plays three or four, three or four different sports, and he just has a dog tough uh, mindset where he wants to win every possession uh, on the offense end and on the defense end. And I guess the more I watch games, uh, we're currently into the state championship round in the South Carolina currently right now. 
And you don't see a lot of crossovers in the game. Um, you, you see a lot of uh, power dribbles to the basket. Uh, no, They're not wasting time attacking the basket. And sometimes it makes me think that it's a talented kid that goes to the trainer three or four times a week doing crossover left, crossover right, step back shot. Is that what you need this late in the season? Or do you need a tough kid that can attack the basket with less dribbles and, and get to the free throw line or, or get guys in foul trouble or make easy shots? Just a thought. Well, I think, I mean, obviously I'm going to go to an extreme example here and talk about the, the greatest players of all time. I think the toughness, I think you mean when you say toughness, I think of both mental and physical toughness. And I think yes. they go hand in hand a lot. And you think of some of the great players of all times, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, they had, obviously they had the talent, but then what starts to separate them is their mental and physical toughness yes. in those games. You talk about in playoff games, in championship moments, the guys that can do that really combine both. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Chris. Um, and, and, and that's a good point. I, like you mentioned, the, the the mental toughness. And then that, that goes into like, you know, what we think sometimes is how do you build a mental toughness? <laughs> um, and are, are we lacking summertime. time? In the summertime that workouts. That's how you build mental toughness. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes I think the weight room builds mental toughness. But are, are, are we lacking? Are we not creating enough times in our program to get to the weight room? Um, because we just feel like maybe the weight room is not important. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of NBA players and college teams that lift weights the same day of game. Um, it's just it's just a thought. I mean, Brian, what you think? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm intrigued by it. I want to know really like what that definition of of toughness really is. Now, I'll be honest with you. I know Jay Billis wrote a book about yeah, toughness. Yeah. I have not read it, uh, even though our good friend John Combs gave me a signed copy of Jay Billis's book. Sorry, John, I haven't read it yet. That was only about <laughs> – Eight years ago, so uh, maybe I'll get around to it. Uh, maybe maybe longer. But I, I did just do some quick googling. It looks like he he defines it as, as seven habits: uh, talk on defense, get on the floor, sprint the floor, play so hard your coach has to take you out, show strength in your body language. Uh, it's not your shot; it's our shot. And look your coaches and teammates in the eye. Like all that sounds like that's toughness, but it sounds like you, Robert, what you're really describing is more of that that physical toughness and really and, and, and just a, a guy that's going to go or a girl that's going to go after and get a get a rebound, get on the floor, yes, as Jay yes. Bill talks yeah. about, and really take take the contact and, and finish at the rim. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I like to ride a good – I'm an AD. I like to ride a fence, right? <laughs> so I think it takes, it takes a combination of both, in my opinion. You need some talented kids that can actually make shots. Yeah. I've coached kids yeah. that – uh, especially my first job out of college, no disrespect to them. They just didn't have the skills to make shots and bring, even cross half court. Somebody was pressing us and it was tough. I, and I had some tough girls. They were very tough. They would dive on the floor. They would step over and take charges, but we couldn't actually physically score sometimes. And we couldn't physically stop the other team. So it really does. I think it takes a balance, but I think you're right, especially in playoff times. I mean, it's the, that old adage, Defense wins championships, and I mean, absolutely, you got to make your kids sit down and guard, and you got to get them a rebound, and you got to get them to get on the floor because it just means something, and it really goes back to now. Y'all got me rolling that Tony <laughs> Pastire, um episode a few weeks ago where we referenced that it's only one possession coach poem, and it's every. Yeah. I mean, even I mean, every game matters. But in the playoffs, every possession, absolutely it matters. I and mean, who's going to have the toughness to look every possession in the eye and say, I'm yes. getting everything I got, no matter how tired I am. Okay, and I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> well, Brian, I was going to point to two examples that we know really well. Uh, and, and Coach mentioned the weight room. 
at South Carolina when we were there. Rolando Howell came in with a lot of hype, was a great high school player, McDonald's All-American. Freshman year, kind of struggled a little bit. That summer, Darby Rich, our good friend who we've had on the podcast early, well, it was episode 15 or something like that, who's now the strength coach at Memphis with Penny Hardaway. Darby got Rolando in the weight room, put on a bunch of muscle, but made Roe a much tougher player. Yeah, His yeah. skill didn't improve that much between his freshman and sophomore year. His strength and his toughness improved. And Roe took a big leap in that time. And then the other one I was thinking of, you were talking about defense is like, who's one of the best up and coming coaches in college basketball right now. He just won a huge game yesterday on the road at the university of Oklahoma. That's Oklahoma state coach, Mike Boynton, also a player at South Carolina who was not the most talented offensive player by the time he got to college, but his toughness and defense made him uh, an all sec performer his senior year. Yeah, um, I, I, that's a good point, Chris, and and that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, uh, uh, you know, I've been at BC nine years now, and we, we had some decent years where you know we went uh, lower state championship. Um, but this year has really challenged me because I, I thought we had a pretty good team, and we won nine games in the COVID year. Um, we played for the region championship, but when we lost first round to Marlboro County by two points, who's who just who's going to play for the three state championship, and we lost them on the road and. We bring back eight kids out of 12. And as a coach, you know, you, you want to maximize. We got a good group of kids. You want to maximize that group until the, before they graduate. So, you know, currently I'm, I'm kind of in my box where I'm trying to figure out what is the formula to bring toughness to the, to, to our program. Uh, you know, the first thing that come to my mind right now, we're in the offseason, two weeks now in the offseason, we, we got to hit the weight room. Man, and we're, we're going to try to start with the weight room. And I just think I told our coaches and our team, it's it's a job for everybody. I mean, the kids gonna hit the weight room. And currently, you know, I'm, I'm visiting every playoff game I can visit. And I'm getting there early. I'm getting there 45 minutes early. I, you know, I visited the Dorman uh, Ridgeview game. And I made sure I was there an hour early because as a young coach, the first thing I, I thought was that I'm in the presence of two coaches that have seven state championships in the last four or five years. Um, and to be honest, I have zero. So – I'm there an hour early because I want to see everything from the pregame to how they carry themselves, to how both teams walk on the court, to the the in-game timeouts. I'm watching those things uh, because I want to figure out how to build that toughness to play into the second and third and play for a state championship one day at Brooklyn Casey. So I'm always open. And if any coaches out there listening, if you got an answer how to build toughness, (laughs) find me at Brooklyn Casey and come tell me because I want to win the state championship one day. Well, see, this is fascinating, Robert. Now, I'm going to have a question for you here in a second. Yes. I'm going to tell a story that I may have told on this podcast before. I can't remember, but it was, I don't know, it was four years ago now. And I was talking with uh, Christian Savage, who was an assistant at the time at South yes. Carolina. And he's doing a great job over there in Florence. And he, he was talking, we were on the road. It was a second round, third round, I can't remember, uh, game at Aiken. Jim was filling up. And he said, Coach, I, I'm, I'm so nervous, I almost cried. And I said, okay, so you know, what are you nervous about? He said, well, what if we lose? And I said, so what if you lose? And he said, what, what, like, what, what do you mean? And I said, I said what, what can you control? He said, or tonight, I said, what can you control? He said, well, I, I don't think I can control anything. I said, really? He said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I can control the, the adjustments that I'm making, what I'm telling coaching players tonight. I'm like, exactly. And I said, what did y'all control this week? Did y'all watch film? Yes. Did y'all practice? Yes. Did y'all scout them? Yes. Did you train? 
training your kids to, to get to bed early and eat all the right things and all everything that all us good coaches are doing. Right. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, so if you go out and win the game 72 to 70, or you flip it and you lose the game 72 to 70, like, it's not that much of a difference. Like you just went out there and competed. And so I'll ask you that kind of with that as the backdrop, did you feel like your kids played a tough game in this, in this context or played to their best of their ability and just, and just lost the basketball game. You lost by two. Or did you say, man, we, we gave up 19 offensive rebounds. We missed free throws. We didn't dive on the floor. When you look back at the game, take the scoreboard out of it. How do you see that game? Yeah, so kind of a little backdrop. You know, we, we we this year the high school playoffs was just down to two teams only each region. So in in the in the past these would be second round games. You know, it's one seed versus two seed. So we was a two seed in our region, and we had to go on the road to Marvin County, which was a one seed. Um, and and we lost by two. But I kind of felt like our guys. I felt like we was well prepared. I just felt like our guys didn't play hard throughout the entire four quarters of the game. Um, and then when I look at my opponent in Marlboro, I felt like they played really hard. So I guess that, that leads me to, to think, how do I get my kids to play it hard? I don't feel like we lost the game because of lack of skill set. I feel like our skill set was there, but I feel like we didn't play hard. I felt like we lost the, the offensive rebounds, the 50-50 balls, the charges, the things that changes the game when you're playing a tight game in the playoffs. Um, I feel like we didn't do those things and that kind of got us at the end by losing by two points. Uh, and so I'm just that, – that's kind of where, where I felt like we lost the game against Marlboro in the first round was that uh, we just didn't bring the toughness for four quarters, which what Chris talked about earlier, that's the mental toughness part, I feel like. I feel like kids, they want to do it. Uh, I mean, you ask a kid, they say, Coach, I, I want to play hard, Coach. I want to go dive from, on the ground for loose ball. But how do you get them to do it for four quarters um, for 32 minutes in a high school basketball game that's the challenge that uh, I'm out to figure out to make our team a better team this year. Well, again, if you figure out the magic formula, let me know. <laughs> but no, that's what it is. Where Where is that balance? Where is that what? And it's sort of, uh, again, it's cliche, I guess. You say the chicken or the egg. What comes first, the mental toughness or the physical toughness? Yes, and how yeah. do you develop? I mean, they sort of come concurrently, but one's always going to be a little ahead to bring the other one out. Yeah, yeah. So, but I definitely think it's off season mentality. Um, yeah. But I think it's part, and Brian and I used to discuss this, and I'll admit this I think I do a bad job of this right now as a coach is some of those little things. And Brian was, uh, whenever we ran and I was helping Brian coach, Brian was a line guy. If a guy missed the line by a quarter of a centimeter, Brian would stop the running and have him run again. And yeah. I mean, I mean, a quarter of a centimeter if guys missed it. Um, yeah. But I think it's part of that. I, I'm going to go back to another story, Brian. I think I've told it on this podcast. Going into his senior year, Trey Kelly, uh, oh. you know, wanted to get better and tougher and stronger and knew, knew he was going to have to lead the team. And I was in my office, Robert. It was one summer afternoon. It was like a Saturday afternoon. I stopped by my office for something. And my office was by a stairwell in the Carolina Coliseum. And I heard someone in the stairwell. It was like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in July. And I said, who the hell is here? And I look in the stairwell. And Trey Kelly's got a weighted vest on and he's running the stairs. That's wow. toughness. Yeah. That's yeah. what that, that's toughness. See, that, yeah. that, that, that point. Uh, I, well, another point I want to make about this is that that was within Trey. And I think something you said earlier, Robert, is that can, can, can us coaches make our kids tough? 
and I think that I think there there can be a little bit of a shift. But I mean, look at I mean Trey Kelly. Look at his life. Look at what he came from. Yeah. And look at where he went and where he's going now. Even and just the, the horrific stuff that happened to him in his life. And and he he was a tough kid. And so and I've seen that at Ridgeview with I mean I, a kid that pops into my mind. And we've had a lot of tough kids at Ridgeview. So uh, but Waylon Napper is a kid that when we got down. Uh, we, as an AD, I'm looking at Waylon, like, what's he doing? Is he folding to the tents and saying, all right, well, that's it. Like, no, he was, <laughs> he might not even have to say anything. It was just an energy about him. It was yeah. a Ray Kelly type energy. And so like, I think sometimes you just have those special kids and sometimes you don't. And sometimes it just makes you want to pull your hair out, whatever little I have left. And say, Why can't our kids be tougher? Like, well, they might not just be very tough. And, and, but, but we never want to give up and never want to give up on that, that dream for kids. But I, I did want to say that I think that it takes some special kids sometimes to really, to really have help, help that. And, and I think that's right, Brian. Uh, one, one of the things I tell our kids, and I think it's very important for coaches. Um, the more I, I, I you know, I, I'm big into asking questions. So, you know, I, I, sometimes I call Coach Staley at AC Floor. I call Coach Norris at Keenan. Um, you know, the, uh, we're, we're one of the few programs in the last four years, you know, we went on the road and played dormant in the regular season game in dormant. Uh, this past year we played Ridgeview. Uh, last year we played AC Floor. So in the last three or four years, we, we played state champions um, just to try, to try to build that culture in our program. But one of the things I've learned is that as high school coaches, it takes a village. And, and, and sometimes – we try to do everything ourselves, but I've really opened up to understand that it takes me understanding, a, building a relationship where my kids are playing AAU with the AAU coach. Um, it takes me building a relationship with the, where my kids, with their parents or whoever's over them, that we all are on the same page and understand that we're trying to change this kid, maybe to his style of play to a tougher style of play. Cause that kid is not around me all the 12 months of the year, you know, uh, when basketball season's over, yes, he's with me during school in the weight room, but when school's over, he's with his AU basketball coach. So if I have a relationship with his AU basketball coach and I'm present at his AU practices or his games, then there's a relationship. There's a village that's being built to help build each kid what they need to be successful in my program as they, during, during those uh, three to four years. So I think the, the, the word building a village and not just being a eye coach, uh, it's very important also in building that toughness too and building that kid overall skill set and his development. And that's one of the things I learned from some of the really good coaches in Columbia is that they are, they're, they're heavily involved in the AU programs or with the coach that their kids are going to to play AU and all those things. So I think that's very important. That's a very, that's a big note that sometimes we as coaches think it's all us. We have to build it all with us. And uh, sometimes that's just, that's not possible. We need to be able to build a village and open up and accept those outside community people who can help build that kid and give those kids the things he needs to make your program and our program successful. Well, I think, and Brian's going to like this, this answer, this question and what I'm going to say, the statement, whatever, I don't know what the hell it is. Uh, but, and I think you're right, coach. And it's seeing the, but then it's everyone helping out with not just that kid, all the kids, yeah. but letting them understand that, this it's not about high school basketball. Yeah. It's about you as a person going forward yeah. in life. And if you develop these toughness skills, and again, we reference again, we reference our South Carolina people all the time. We bring them up on almost every show, Brian, Rick Duckett. What's the one quote that was on Rick Duckett's door for the nine years or eight and a half years, whatever he was in South Carolina. Do you remember what it was? I, I can never remember. You always remember that tough times don't last tough people do. Wow. 
<laughs> wow. He hung it on the door day one until the day he left there. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. So I think it's about, you know, yeah, it's about the, the possession, Brian, each possession. But as you know, and I know you like to talk about, it's about more. It's about in the classroom and in the community. And then you going off to college or to trade school or to a career or to the military, whatever it is you're going to do. And those type of things make you a successful person. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that old, uh, I guess it's a quote somewhere, but how you do anything is how you do everything. And I really do believe that. And it, but Liza, it's funny you mentioned that about me <laughs> one, one centimeter short of the line and I was all over. Maybe you have a, a touch of OCD. I don't know, but I also <laughs> do believe that I was trying to teach those kids like how you do anything is how you do everything. Really. I mean, if you're, if you're going to stop short of a line running a drill or, you know, then I would ask you to go set a screen on the elbow and you just go to the wing. You don't go all the way to the elbow and then your boss, your boss asks you to go do this. And you don't, you know, it's just, to me, it's just, it's, it's all part of the process. And and I really do believe in that whole idea of failure. I mean, it's a failure to miss a line. Okay. I believe it's my job now to call a kid out and say, you missed the line. You didn't live up the expectation. We're going to do it again, or you're not going to play, or you know whatever, whatever. So that in hopes that when they get to that next level of their lives, they hit that proverbial line, whatever that whatever that next line is in quotes, if that makes any sense at all. So, yeah, yeah. fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> uh, Great points. <laughs> all right, so you want to jump into the the what we? I think we talked a lot about that. Now we'll get to the point of the podcast. <laughs> As you know, Coach, it's called the greatest games. So we want to hear about your greatest game. We want you to take us into the gym, 2017 third round of the three A playoffs. Oh, are we home or away? Are we are we at the the? Well, we're we're at a neutral site. Neutral site. Where was the neutral site? Uh, we was at a school called Estor. Oh, uh, Estel, in the, low yes. in the low country. That's right. You're down there yeah. in the swamp. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so so we we happen to go to Estel because we're in the third round and we're a number one seed, and we're playing Risland Hardyville, which is a number one seed. But Risland Hardyville gym is too small to host a third round playoff in in the state of South Carolina. So they have to go. They they have to play a neutral site or play at a gym at Estel, uh, which is a neutral site gym. Uh, that we ended up playing that game at that night. And uh, by the way, you know, that 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 team was kind of backdrop is that that team was 2017. Uh, I think we currently was ranked three or four in the state all year long. Uh, we had a 6'5 kid named Lloyd Hemming. He was a three player of the year. He ended up going to play. Uh, he's playing at Catawba right now. Uh, we had another 6'5 kid named Marquise McCoy. He plays receiver for Southern Mississippi. Currently, right now, so I had two six five kids on the wing, so I, I don't know if it's so much uh, me coaching, but just having some, having some size and some really good players. Uh, but we but we end up going to Estel to play in the third round game, uh, where the winner was going to go play in the Lord State Championship in Florence in the Civic Center. Um, and uh, Risen Harvey at the time was coached by probably a Hall of Fame coach uh, Coach Fabers. Uh, at that time, they was twenty five and one. Uh, and I want to say we, at that time we were at 18 and maybe six. We started the season off 0 and six. Mm. But when Jan- when January the first came around, 2017, we walked into the third round game with 15 straight wins. <laughs> uh, we had not lost a game in 2017 yet until to uh, going into that night versus uh, Risen Hardyville. 
and we, and we end up going into Risland Hardeville playing at Estel in the third round of playoffs. And it was very exciting time for BC basketball. Uh, I think that was around my fifth year. Um, and and we, we went down there and we, they had a packed gym. I mean, packed gym. And I called it the bloodbath. Because <laughs> Risland Hardeville played full court man. Uh, they jumped the ball every time, and they made it. It's a very physical team and a really good team with a lot of really good guards. Um, and somehow we was able to kind of just stay in the game long enough and make enough good shots. We went back and forth. I think we went into uh, halftime, maybe down by one or two. And then we got into the, the, the second half in Risland Hardeville. Uh, we was able to kind of start beating the man-to-man, the full-court man. We hit some shots. But the, the keys to the game was, you know, there was about two minutes left in the game. And uh, we get a steal, and we go up uh, and get a dunk, but we hang on the rim and get a tech. So, so we're up by eight, but we get a tech because I have a, a guard at that time, a pretty good kid, 10th grader. He gets a steal, he dunks the ball like the game is over, and he hangs on the rim. And and so the reason Hardaway goes to the free throw line and hits two free throws, uh, gets, the, gets the, the side out, the go score the basket. Somehow we turn the ball over under, under a minute, um, and, and they, they hit a layup where they, they hold the ball and they hit a layup uh, and tie the game. Well, when they tie the game, we get the ball back with like 20 seconds to go. And we turn the ball over again on the inbounds. <laughs> now, this game is going to the lower state championship. So I'm, I'm like, wow, I mean, we're, we're, we're two minutes away from playing for the lower state championship in 3A basketball. And, and we just blew an eight-point lead under two minutes because – one kid dunks the ball and hangs on the rim. It changes the whole momentum of the game, and we're basically on the road. Um, so we, they, we 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 turn the ball over on the inbound about twenty seconds to go in the game. Risen Harvard gets the ball back and scores the basket and takes the lead by and takes the lead by two. Well, I don't call a timeout because I've always been taught late in the game situation keep the ball alive, don't call timeouts, force the other team to have to stop you in transition or on the inbounds. Do not allow them to set up. So I stick to I stick to that plan. We throw the ball in with about eight seconds ago with my three player of the year, Lloyd Hemming, dribbles the ball across half court, lets the shot goes up, and it hits nothing but net. We win the game. <laughs> wow. We win the game by one point. Uh and, and we go on to play in the Lower State Championship game in, in Florence, and we end up losing that game to Dylan. But that game will always uh that reason heart of the game will always stand out to me just because uh it was a very tough game. And the way the game kind of ended, uh, it's, it kind of shows me that, and I tell kids all the time, that basketball is a game of momentum. You know, we have the momentum, but we dunk the ball thinking the game is over and hang on the rim. The momentum changes, and Risen Hardville goes on an 8-0 run or something similar to that and takes the lead. But it also tells me to let kids – make kids understand that the game is never over until you see zero on the clock. And, so, so, and somehow that ball gets into my three-player of the year – and he shoots the ball somewhere after crossing half court and goes in nothing but net, and we win the game. So the, it's a lot of lessons learned. Uh, one of the beauties, like I said, great things about it that that was a, that was our fifteenth win in a row. So I was able to experience going to the court fifteen straight times and not losing until the Lower State Championship game. And uh, that that season and that game will always be a special season, a, a special memory for me. And I will always remember Lower Hemming uh, and a, a lot of those kids that was on that team that year. So uh, just just to give people some context, the people that are not familiar with 
uh, rural, lower state, South Carolina, Estill. Estill has a Shell, a Marathon, and a CarQuest Auto Parts. <laughs> All three are in Estill. But that's what I think. And there's a funeral home, it looks like, looking on the map. But yeah. people that have never been to these places in rural South Carolina, they are some small places. Um, when a kid hangs on the rim, so he gets a tech, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you contain yourself? <laughs> what, what, what did you take the kid out? Did you take the kid out of the game? Did you talk to him? Did you talk? What did you say to the team at that point when the other team's shooting the technical free throws? Uh, well, without I, I hurling a water bottle at them. No, I mean, <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't go off on the kid because uh, I, I truly believe that your your kids feed off of you. Absolutely, and, and we're on the road. We're in a tough environment, and the last thing I need to do is start shouting at the kid going crazy at the kid, and then the whole team breaks down. Come on, he gets the tech, but we're still up by six or seven points. So we just kind of try to smooth it over, like, hey, just, just stay focused. Stay focused. Yes, that's a big mistake, but we can't harp on that mistake right now. We have to play this last minute and a half out and try to win this game. So uh, I've always learned that, that your kids feed off of you. So if I go crazy and we're on the road and we're already battling the fans and the officials – I need to be the most calmest person in the gym because my kids are watching me and they're going to feed off of me based on our next decision or the next possession. Remember, I always say this, win every possession. The possession that's passed, we can't, we cannot win that possession anymore. Let's focus on winning the next possession and let's see if that may change the game or bring the momentum back on our side. Yeah, I, I, it may sound cliche, but this really <laughs> – is it evidence of what you're talking about, what we opened the show with about toughness? I mean, you, you look at this, the, the dunk, hang on the rim, technical turnover, you turn the ball over again. <laughs> and, and, and it sounds like, and I, and I wasn't there, but I, I would love to, to paint the picture a little bit further. Like yeah. it, it, that last turnover, it sounds like it's just, okay, well, it's a turnover next possession. What do we got to do here? And yeah. then they, 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 they hit a shot. And it's okay. Well, next possession. What do we got to do here? And I love the fact that you sounds like you trained your kids that you know when the shot goes in, when their shot goes in, they're not looking at you. Are we calling timeout? Are we not? Are we calling it? Yeah. No. Let's go. They they know. Get the ball out and go. Get it to Lloyd. Bang a three. Game over. Yeah, 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 Brian. Uh, that, that's important. And and same time, you know, I, I'm a young coach at that time. You know, I'm I'm that's my fifth year. I'm honestly, my mindset is thinking I just blew the low. I just blew. I just blew the game to go to the lower state championship and, and become one and, and get closer to one game to the state championship. So at the same time, there's a million things going through my mind. Like, wow, like we just had this in my, in our hands to go play for the lower state championship. And just that fast, we just lost the game. But sometimes you, sometimes as a coach, you really don't understand what, what's in your players until tough situations like that. And that team had 10 seniors on it. And, the kid, Lloyd Hemming, was a three player of the year. I mean, he was a Division One player at that time. Uh, who went and he went to USC Upstate first. So I think with him on the court, uh, his his calmness, his confidence, helped bring me along too in that situation because I, we did, I weren't we weren't out there playing with a bunch of ninth and tenth graders. I mean, we're playing with ten seniors on the court and the three player of the year, a kid at six five that believes that he's a Division One basketball player. So his calmness, I thought, created that last six seconds because he, he got close as possible to get that shot off. <laughs> I mean, and that, that's all just – that's a kid that understands basketball. That's a kid that believes in what he can get done in in limited amount of time and be able to get that shot up, you know? 
Well, again, that's just a, a testament to the kid, the, the time. Kids get so nervous with time and chuck yes. a half-court shot or chuck a long yeah. three. That yeah. annoys me so much. You're like, guys, you have five more seconds left. <laughs> uh, talk about the winning streak and keeping your guys motivated, keeping – you know, listen, they're high school kids. They win six in a row, seven in a row, eight in a row. They start believing, hey, we can't be beat. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, um, well, and like I mentioned, that 2017 team was very special. You know, I mentioned earlier that we started 0-6. So we lost six straight games to start the season off. And i never forget our, our – the, the sixth loss was to Timberland. And Timberland that year was ranked number like three or four in the state. And and we we was in Timberland one night, and we sat in the locker room for about an hour. And I just mentioned this to a coach the other day that sometimes uh, talking to your team is more important than practice. So we sat in Timlin locker room that night, two hours away from home, and we had we we talked for about an hour about what can we do. Because sometimes as coaches we have a we have our plan, but sometimes our plan may not be best for our kids. And I think at that time I had a plan, but the plan maybe didn't fit our kids. So sometimes we have to humble ourselves and open up and listen to our kids and see what are they thinking, what things, what are their strength, what are what are their weaknesses. And I felt like I humbled myself and really understood what can help my team going into the new year. And we got into January the 1st, and, you know, it, it was just amazing. I mean, we, we, we got into the region, and uh, we, won, we won one game and three games and five games, and you look up, we're, we're 10 games straight. And and we and all those games were by double digits. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of times I'm coming out third or fourth quarter, and we're already up by 20. But the confidence level – uh, was just high. I mean, it, I, I truly believe a team that has confidence can, or believe they can win, believe that they can play, believe that they can execute the plays. Um, is I mean that that's unbelievable. I mean, sometimes coaching is overrated. I mean, sometimes I believe that if you can get your kids to believe that they can do something or confident wise, uh, a lot of things you'd be surprised at that that just blossom. And I think we went from five five wins in a row to fifteen straight wins. And the kids' confidence level was just amazing. But one of the most important things I remember was that the competition and practice. And I've always kind of mirrored my teams or gauged my teams based on the practice competition. That year, we had 10 seniors. Every day in, in practice, a five-on-five was so competitive. I mean, it was challenging. I mean, I, I saw I saw where games were, were going to become easy because practice was so hard. But, uh, I mean, it was just it was amazing. I look back at it sometimes, I think, wow. 15 straight games. I mean, that's that, that's that's pretty good. And, you know, you, you hope for it to happen again. And I believe it, it will happen again one day. You just got to keep putting the work in. You got to keep believing in, in your system. You got to keep, keep believing in giving kids confidence and not always pushing them down. Uh, and, and it'll happen one day again. You've mentioned it a couple times, Coach, about uh, you've always been taught or I just hear mentors, teachers. Yeah. Uh, talk about some of those folks that have really – stood out for you as, as training you as a coach uh, along your journey? Well, I tell you, I was very fortunate. You know, I, I graduated from Newberry College in 2007, um, where I, I actually didn't play basketball in college. I played uh, football um, and a little bit of baseball. But once I got out of college, I, I started teaching Richmond One. And, and, you know, in Columbia, Richmond One is the hotbed of basketball. And I was very fortunate to, to pick up a job at AC Floyd as a B-team coach and a JV coach but I coached with a really good coach by the name of uh, uh, Leon Brunson, Coach Brunson. And a lot of people know Coach Brunson from the, the I want to say, 2014 state championship team or somewhere around that time. 
Uh, he won a state championship with AC Floor, and then he retired and got out of coaching. But I was very fortunate to be around him. Uh, and his his coaching background uh, kind of went through Zach Norris at Keenan. So my time at AC Floor, I was able to dialogue and learn a lot of stuff from Coach Brunson. And then Coach Norris would come over, and I would just be around those guys and just listen and take things in. And I was very fortunate enough to, to kind of just learn a lot of basketball from Coach Brunson. And to this day, it's very it's very weird because Coach Brunson hired me as a JV, a JV coach at AC Floor. Well, I get the job at Brooklyn Casey in 2012, and and, I, and maybe four or five years later, Coach Brunson now is currently my, my assistant principal. <laughs> so every day in the building, I, I have I have my basketball mentor that I go to and talk basketball with and get different ideas. But uh, Coach Brunson has always been there for me. And while I've been while I'm still learning, and I'm still a young coach. I, I reach out many times. You know, we got ready to play Marlboro County last week, and I called Coach Staley because Coach Staley played Marlboro County last year. And me and Coach Staley, Coach Staley's always giving me ideas. He's always inviting me to practice. Um, I'm always asking questions, trying to figure out how to attack certain, certain defense or how to attack a build an offense or certain things. So people from Coach Brunson to Coach Norris to Coach Staley, um, all those guys, they, they've won state championships before. And and that's my dream. I, I say it all the time. My dream, my goal is at Brooklyn Case is to win the region championship and win the state championship. And to win state championship, you have to – as a coach, you have to build relationships with state championship coaches. You have, I have to, I have to soak everything up, be around those guys, and kind of watch how they run their program, and and just kind of just listen and learn and take little ideas and put into my program, and hopefully one day a state championship will come to Brooklyn Case High School. Well, coach, the good thing about that is you won't even take the bus back to the school. You'll be so amped, you'll just run back to the school with the state championship trophy. I mean, what? It's about a mile and a half. Yeah, I so, know, right? Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. will be so amped, you'll just run back with it. I can, I know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we like to end here on a fun question, coach. If I asked, um, you know, some of those kids that played for you on that 2017, uh, Lloyd Hemming, and some kids that played for you now. What would if I said what's the one thing coach says over and over again? What would be that one thing? Focus, <laughs> focus, focus. You got to be focused. I mean, uh, and, and the other thing I use a lot is preparation. I'm a big coach about preparation. I, I believe coaching the coaching staff, the kids, we all must prepare to be successful. Uh, and before we end, I mean, I just like to mention. You know, uh, I think very highly of, of the Dorman basketball program. You know, Coach Ryan, uh, you know, we played them, like I mentioned, we played them a couple of years ago. We went up to Dorman, and we, I, I knew we weren't good as them. But the experience, for my program to get to the next level, we needed the experience. I mean, it's like this year we played Ridgeview High School. We need the experience to play those teams because my kids need to see a good program. Me as a coach, a young coach, I need to be around a good program and a, and a, and a, and a good coach. My assistant coaches need to see a good program. And I admire uh, Coach Ryan and, uh, and Dorman because you can, you can tell when their preparation from their coaching to their coaching staff to their kids is uh, it's first class. I mean, it's, it's an A-plus pre- pre- preparation. And that's the key. That, that, that's my goal. I believe that sometimes throughout the talent, the toughness, we all want those things. But if you can prepare your kids and your kids can prepare themselves for a game, then everything else will take care of itself. I think sometimes we fail to prepare fully. Sometimes we have prepared. Sometimes we don't. I mean, we miss the small things that determines those 32 minutes. 
and I, I use that a lot, focus and prepare. Let, let's make sure we, we're doing both of those things so that we can be successful for 32 minutes. Uh, and and I, I, just, I admire those coaches and those coaching staff that you can just see the preparation in what they do. Um, it, it's, it's amazing, man. It's an art. I mentioned again, I'll say it again, one of the best basketball games I've seen this past week uh, in, in, my, in my 10 years of coaching, 11 years of coaching was Ridgey versus Dorman. It was two coaches that was well-prepared. Two teams on the court that was well prepared. And you could see it for 32 minutes. For 32 minutes, they competed within the game plan. For 32 minutes, they competed with all five guys on their team. There wasn't a lot of individual things going on. So as a young coach, I'm sitting there watching those things, and I'm like, man, that's that's what the goal is to get to. Getting guys to understand how to focus and, and stick to the game plan and prepare, prepare for the 32 minutes of the game to be successful. It's what it's all about, right? Just getting better, getting better, getting better. And, you know, I, 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 I know I've seen it firsthand that when coaches like yourself take kids up against teams that, that may be better, may be talented or whatever, whatever, it's, it's going to pay off. And, yeah. and I applaud you for doing that. I didn't realize y'all played Dorman last year. I was down yeah. there. Uh, down Columbia KC to see uh, see our guys play you guys this year, and it was a heck of a ball game. It was great. I mean, no, no, your kids didn't back down. You didn't back down. It was it was it was good basketball. And I just think that you know, I talk to my coaches a lot of times about providing good experiences for kids, and sometimes yeah. that means going and playing somebody nationally or some whatever, and just providing them good experiences. So that, that's going to pay off, and you do that. The KC Round Ball Classic, that's an up-and-coming event. You yeah, yeah, yeah. with that. So check that out on Twitter, y'all. KC Round Ball and then at BC underscore Bearcat B-Ball. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes for everybody. You're doing great stuff down there, Robert Wells, and we just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This has been really, really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah Brian, I'd like to mention, uh, I, I appreciate your, your support. Uh, Brian knows maybe two or three years ago, uh, I reached out to him because, you know, I, I have dreams, you know, I have big dreams. I have big goals and I'm always big on, you know, providing to others or creating a big uh, opportunity for others. Um, and I reached out to Brian maybe three or four years ago after we built our $12 million basketball arena. And I wanted ideas of what what you did to create the bash, you know what I'm saying? Um, different ideas of committee wise and uh, small things. And because I, I have dreams. So last year we started the Casey Roundball classes two years ago. And um, and and I'll hopefully that that turns into you know a great event every year that we can have in in, in Casey, South Carolina that brings a lot of good teams in one area. But Brian, I appreciate the your ideas and the opportunity of you giving me different ideas to help build your national brand tournament uh, or showcase. And uh, I'm always open to ask questions to all the different coaches around the state and everybody that's that's doing great things because I want to become a great coach one day. I, I want to become a state championship coach and. Um, just opportunities out there to, uh, that 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 gives. There's many different opportunities out there that I can always kind of soak up to bring back to Brooklyn Casey to make us a really good team and a really good program. So I appreciate Chris and Brian. Appreciate both of y'all for this opportunity just to kind of talk basketball. And you know, I get excited when I talk basketball. So <laughs> oh, that's 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 great. Well, I will tell you one thing. I want to make a distinction. You said I want to be a great coach one day. I want to be a state championship coach one day. To me. There are two different things. You are a great yeah. coach, Robert Wells. Yeah. Yeah. You may win a state championship, you may not, but you are a great coach. And that's 
that's the key. And in your event, I mean, it already is a great event. And I yeah. love sharing ideas with you. I don't mind saying that publicly. Anybody can call me. They can call you. We'll all share ideas. We have nothing to hide. And I listen to you and I listen to your questions. I'm like, why do we do that? And it helps me get better. And that's why I go back to what this episode has been all about is this, how can we just get a little bit better and a little bit better? And so you, you exemplify that. And uh, just, yeah, again, this has been awesome and wish you nothing but the best moving forward. And we'll just, we'll have to do this again. We'll have to get you on pre-show chatter to get us some ideas for, uh, for, for our show. But, but in the meantime, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. And so uh, for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.